Thank you, Steve and worship team. Good morning, everyone who's here in person. Good morning to those who are watching online. I can see some people who have signed in online here. And, you know, uh, you know, I think one of the, my favorite thing about this service is that we actually have a 12-year-old who is playing the keyboard today, which was awesome. I'm not going to say her name because I'm not sure if her parents want me to say her name online here, but uh, thank you so much. You know who you are. Great job. Um, just a couple things before I jump into my message. Um, some time ago, you may have heard that uh, we've kind of felt led to just do a trial run with a dad-led youth ministry uh, for the summertime. And uh, I appointed Steve, as he has some giftings and some experience and passion in that area, to, to lead a dad-led youth ministry. And so he met with a couple of dads recently. And we had our first youth event yesterday, which uh, of the summertime, and that, we had about 30 or so people there. And uh, I'm not even sure how well we advertised that. I'm not even sure if everyone knew about that. So um, it was good to have that many people there in, considering the circumstances. If, if you are interested in um, uh, making sure you find out about the next youth event, which I think is July 10th, um, please contact Steve and he'll let you know. And when we say it's a dad-led youth event, it doesn't mean the moms can't come. Of course they can come and help out. But we, we want to challenge the dads to, to, uh, to, to, to lead that. Uh, so, Steve, I just want to say well done. Well done with the youth event yesterday, and thank you for your hard work in, in, in all that. And one other thing, uh, we've been talking about um, trying to think through uh, a process to help people discover their spiritual gifts. And, um, and so I recently had the opportunity to meet with a nominations committee in recent weeks, and um, we just recently last week kind of, kind of uh, started with a process by which we can help discover people's spiritual gifts, and we've already tested it out on two people. And uh, I found, and I trust the nominations committee found that there was some, there's a lot of positive things that came out of that. And just want to just extend another thank you to the nominations committee for all your hard work over the years with all you've done, and and thanks for the opportunity to to work on that process. Well, let let me just pray, and we'll jump into the message. Lord, thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for such a wonderful time of worship. Um, where we can worship other brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, as we turn our attentions to your, to your word today, we pray that you would um, uh, speak to us through your word. And as we consider the topic of spiritual gifts, we pray that we would help us consider where we're gifted and that we would be uh, inspired or willing to serve in some way to, to benefit the body of Christ here at Grace Church and your church really beyond the world, throughout the world. And we just pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, show of hands, who here knows Michael Jordan or has heard of Michael Jordan? Uh, most of us have. And if you're online, you can give me a, a hand signal or something. I know you're 20 seconds delayed. Um, Michael Jordan, if you don't know, is said to be, by some, um, perhaps, the best basketball player that ever lived. And I recently watched a documentary of... Uh, Michael Jordan on Netflix, and in this documentary, it just kind of summarizes his his career as an NBA player, and during the beginning of his career, he was breaking all sorts of records, he was getting all sorts of attention, and whenever Michael Jordan played or visited a town, the the place would sell out, and uh, we got a couple of hand signals, yeah, that looks like Lorna's saying a thumbs up, MJ, thanks Lorna. Anyways, he, he, he broke all sorts of records, he got all sorts of attention, and um, 
but at, at a certain point in his career, he started to get criticized because he was never as great as he was. He wasn't able to lead his team to a championship victory. And so as you, as you progress to the documentary, you see that Michael Jordan's attitude started to change, and he started to realize, man, if, we, if we're going to have to win a, if we're gonna win a championship, I have to be more of a team player. And so as he made that shift, he was able to lead his team to multiple championship wins over his career. And as the saying goes, I'm not sure where the saying came from, but uh, you may have heard the saying, teamwork makes the dream work. And in a similar way, I think God designed the church to function like a team, like a, like a body with, with different gifts, with different abilities to build up the body and, and bring God glory. And the passage we're going to turn to today is Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. Again, that's Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8, if you want to follow along in, the, in your Bible. It's one of the more popular passages that people might go to when we talk about spiritual gifts. And um, Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans. And throughout the book of Romans, he, he's talking about all sorts of heavy theological issues, which are awesome, talking about how to point people to Christ, which is wonderful. And then uh, typically in Paul's letters, he will then eventually, as he gets to the end of the book, he starts getting to more practical things. Okay, let's, let's do something with what we know. And now in Romans 12, as he's getting to the latter part of the book, he's getting to that more practical stuff. And he's, and he's challenging people to serve, to serve where they're gifted. So we're going to go ahead and read that passage. It's Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. And I'll just, I'll just go ahead and start reading. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so in this passage, Paul highlights seven gifts, and we're going to talk about each and every one of them. But he also gives a bit of a preamble to this list. And I just want to just highlight some of the things he says in this preamble. First off, he says that God has gifted us in different ways. In other words, we're not all gifted in the same way. And I think that's special. I think it's very special that the body of Christ is diverse, we are, we, we, and it, which, which means that if we're diverse and we, we're not gifted in the same way, you need to know that, that you have something unique and special to contribute to the body of Christ. No matter how odd you think you are or, or whatever, uh, or may, maybe you kind of feel like you're kind of a black sheep or something or whatever, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what you think of yourself. You have something unique and special to contribute to the body of Christ. And, you know, I think um, just as God has made us all physically different, he's, he's gifted us in, in emotional and, and spiritual ways as well. Just for example, um, we, there's no two people apparently in the world who have the same fingerprint, and there's no two people in the world who have the same voice. Uh, I remember when I was in grade school, elementary school, I remember I was sitting in my class, and I heard someone walking down the, the hall, and I heard someone not only walking down the hall, but they were kind of rattling their keys as they walked down the hall, and I thought to myself, that's my mom. I think my mom is coming to visit me at school, and she never comes and visits me at school, 
But lo and behold, a moment later, my mom popped her head around the door, and she came to say hi to me for some reason. I was able to know that it was my mom walking down the hallway because of the way she walked. Um, and the reason I say all that is that just as God has made us all physically different with our fingerprints, our voice, with the way we walk, uh, even though we're gifted by the same Lord, God has made you unique. You have a unique way in this time and place in history uh, to contribute to the work of God in the way that God's wired you. And uh, it, it's probably worth saying, too, that we have a different combination of these gifts. You know, it, it's possible that there might be, you know, the five people sitting over here might have the gift of prophecy, but you might have varying levels of prophecy, and you might have different combinations of different gifts. It's also important for us to remember that God is the one who gives these gifts. We can't just uh, manufacture these gifts on our own. They are gifts that are given from God through the Holy Spirit. Paul also reminds us here, he says, don't be full of yourself. Uh, sometimes when we find that we have a gift, you might think, oh man, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty special because we have this gift. And we might think pridefully of ourselves. But Paul reminds us, don't be full of yourself, be humble. And if God's gifted you in a certain way, be thankful and consider how you can use the gifts to serve the church. And lastly, uh, just a reminder here that we need each other. God never meant for us to walk the Christian life alone in isolation. We are dependent on each other. And he gives the illustration of a body. And just as important as the head may be, because it's got all the brains, um, but as important as the head may be, the head still needs the feet, because the feet bring the body and the, and the head to the places where it needs to go. And as important as the feet are, the feet need to realize that it needs the brain and the head to tell the feet where to go. We need each other. We're a body. And so as a result, we need to serve each other for the sake of helping others. All right, so let's get into the seven gifts that Paul highlights in this passage. And by the way, I'm not sure if I said it already, but I don't think these gifts are exhaustive. This is a, an exhaustive list. Um, but let's go to number one of seven, and the first one's prophesying. Um, some churches get the heebie-jeebies when we talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, but I do believe it, it is a gift, and it's a modern-day gift, prophesying. Now, prophesying could mean a bunch of different things. Um, First, it could mean uh, predicting future, predicting things that happen in the future and uh, talking about end time events. Now, this was certainly true of biblical writers. We see as you look through scripture, the prophets would often prophesy, perhaps they might prophesy about what hap might happen to a nation, and eventually those things come true. Uh, uh, Jesus, apparently there's over 300 prophecies in scripture referring to Jesus, many of which have come true and some that have yet to be fulfilled. Now, when we talk about, again, coming back to predicting future events or the end times, um, it's very possible that you can have a very positive, if you have a gift of prophecy and this is how you're using it, you can have a really positive ministry, a really positive impact in this regard. But there's a lot of dangers I find in this category of prophecy. What I find sometimes is that some people with the gift of prophecy who are talking about future events or the end times, they will often do theological, what I call theological gymnastics to make their points. And what I mean by that is they might take a verse of scripture, they'll take it out of context and they'll, and they'll, they'll twist it to make it say what they want it to say. They'll grab another piece of scripture in the Bible, they'll take it out of context and they'll twist it. They'll grab another piece of scripture, take it out of context and twist it. You put it all together and then you throw in some modern day hot topic current events, you, you make a soup. And then you start making some very, very um, dogmatic statements 
about what's going to happen. You start predicting stuff that doesn't come true, and that just, that just causes a lot of damage, I think, in the body of Christ. I, I was once involved in, as a kid in a, in a house church where but a leader had claimed that he had an out-of-body experience where he went to heaven, spoke with the prophet Elijah, and Elijah told him when Jesus was coming back. And he wrote a book on this, and he, he put some dates down on paper as to when he thought Jesus was coming back, and Jesus obviously did not come back on those dates. I think that caused just a lot of hurt and confusion. Um, I recently listened to a pastor, uh, I'm not going to say where, who seems to have a very positive ministry uh, to a certain extent in, this, in the prophetic realm. And I was listening to him, and I don't want to say his name because I do appreciate him, I appreciate his heart, I appreciate what he's trying to do. But as he was talking about some end times, he started making some really dogmatic statements, very highly opinionated statements that you can't really find in Scripture that I don't think was accurate and I don't think it was helpful. There's, there's a lot of danger in this, this kind of activity. And, but, and, and, he, and here's what happens, you know, um, when you do these kind of things and you start making dogmatic statements on pieces of Scripture that aren't really saying what they're really saying, Danger in this is that uh, it, it draws crowds. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it'll draw crowds. It'll sell books. It'll get you more followers online. Uh, but you might not be uh, uh, prophesying things that are true and accurate. So here's what I think. I think if you have the gift of prophecy in, in this particular regard, I think what you have to do is you've got to be committed to simply sticking to what Scripture, scripture clearly points to without doing theological gymnastics just to, just to draw a crowd. Stick to what Scripture clearly points to, the fact that, listen, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back physically. He's coming back in power. He's coming back literally. He's coming back, and we need to get ready for his return. Stick to those kind of things, things that Scripture clearly points to. And if you are going to share an opinion, just make sure you share it as an opinion, and don't try to twist the Bible to make something you think should happen. Um, don't, don't twist the Bible to uh, support your opinions. He's coming back. Looking forward to that. Anyways, what, what, pro what else could prophecy mean? Aside from talking about future events or end time events, uh, prophecy could simply just mean preaching God's word, preaching God's messages, providing insight, warning, correction, and encouragement. Perhaps prophecy could include um, calling people to repentance calling people to a, to a closer walk with Jesus. A prophecy could be communication of revealed truth that will both convict and build up the hearers. Prophecy could be spontaneous, spirit-filled messages delivered to the body. Uh, I think prophecy could also include perhaps a special word from the Holy Spirit, perhaps through a dream or a vision. We see that in Scripture, and I think we still see that in our, in our day today. Uh, if you go on YouTube, you'll see lots of people who are claiming to have dreams uh, that Jesus is coming back, and that he's coming back soon, and it's quite exciting. And I've had moments in my life where people have come to me with a word, what they feel is a word for the, from the Lord, either for me, uh, for the church, or someone else. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool when you, of course these things have to be tested, but it's, it's pretty cool, it's encouraging when you hear, uh, when you sense the Lord speaking through someone else. Now, what are the benefits to the church when people are using their gifts of prophecy correctly? Well, I think it brings hope. It can bring hope to a congregation. It can inspire a congregation. It can uh, help us sense God's involvement in the world. It can help us sense God's involvement in our own lives right here and now. 
It can be encouraging. It can bring closer, people closer to God. And I think there are some people who, in our church who are gifted in this way. Uh, Carla Croker is one of the people that we, um, that we um, uh, what do you call it, we interviewed as a nomination committee this past week, and this came up as one of her gifts. And I was actually already thinking that Carla might be gifted in, in this realm, and so I think Carla might be gifted in that area. I wonder if Joel Schultz might be gifted in this area. I wonder if Heather White, if you're watching, might be gifted in this area. I wonder if, um, now Paul Nalis might not agree with me, but Paul Nalis, you might, I think you might be gifted in this area as well. I'm sure there's others who might be gifted in this area as well. Uh, what's the next gift? The next gift is serving. Serving. Uh, in other words, those who might call have the gift of helps. Those who just want to help out, they want to serve. These people are awesome. I love these people. I love all these people, but uh, servers are, are, are wonderful in ministry. Uh, you need people with a gift of serving at every level of ministry. And when I think of someone who has the gift of serving, you might see as part of their temperament that they are faithful people. They are loyal people. They are not what I would say uh, drama queens. Uh, they just, they just want to help. They, they don't care about being necessarily being in the spotlight, and if you ask them to help, they will likely say yes. Uh, these are the kind of people who ask the question, hey, how can I help? What, what can I do? How, how can I get involved? And uh, the benefits of these people to the church is that when you have people who are using their gift of service, things get done. People are ministered to. People are cared for. And this can kind of create a buzz of excitement in a, in a church or an organization that, you know, people are doing stuff. There's movement. Things are happening. And these people are needed and are likely appreciated most by leaders and visionaries. I think there's lots of people in our church who are gifted in this way. I think Tony Richardson is, is one person who's gifted in this way. I think Sean Siemens is, uh, is gifted in this way. I think Della Bork is gifted in this way. She's, uh, she's, she's involved in the bookkeeping, and she's been very accommodating to people who need her help. Uh, shout out to Jacinta. I uh, wasn't sure if you're going to be here today or not, but uh, I think Jacinta has this gift. I think there's many people in our church who have this gift, and good on you if you have this gift and you're, and you're using it. The next gift that's listed here is teaching. Um, teaching could be instruction in Christian living and or doctrine. Uh, I would tend to think that those who are gifted with teaching are clear thinkers. Uh, they are people of conviction, particularly, uh, I would think if we were talking about teaching and when we're talking about biblical stuff, uh, deep convictions about biblical truths. Uh, and I think particularly they know how to teach a concept uh, in which their audience can understand you know, if you're talking to children, they know how to talk to children. If you're talking to youth, they know how to talk to youth and so on. And I think it's important to mention this, that smart and knowledgeable people are not, don't necessarily make the best teachers. Uh, there's been many times in my life where you sit, where you sit maybe in a sermon or a class and you, you're sitting with someone who's very smart and you walk away thinking, what in the world did they talk about? I think a teacher, you'll have, you'll have a little bit of smarts, you have a little bit of knowledge, but you also have the ability to communicate clearly so that your audience can understand what, what in the world you're talking about. And this can happen, in, this can take place in a variety of areas in the church, of course, of course, in a Sunday morning sermon, but it can also be used in children's ministry, in youth ministry, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, perhaps in a small group, perhaps in a ministry training environment, and on and on, lots of places to use this. There's lots of benefits for the church for people to use their gifts. Because when people use their gifts in teaching, people grow in their knowledge of Scripture and in their relationship with God. And I think this, I think correct and helpful 
biblical teaching can literally change your life in all sorts of healthy ways. When you get some good teaching, I think, you know, it, it can change the trajectory of your life where, where God, through, through teachers, can, can kind of get you going this way where otherwise you might have been going that way. And I, say people, I see people in our church who are gifted in this area. Next is encouraging. Now, the gift of encouraging could actually just simply mean the gift of encouraging. But it could also mean exhortation. A possible definition of exhortation is a message of warning or encouragement designed to motivate people to action. In other words, uh, you're challenging people. You're challenging people. Maybe you're, you're motivating people. Uh, maybe you, you know how to rally people together, uh, bring people together. And I kind of wonder if a person with the gift of encouragement or encouraging might also have some kind of a ministry of peace. I think one of the people in Scripture who had the gift of encouraging, his name was Barnabas, so you can find his story in the book of Acts. And I think he, he kind of fit the bill for what I'm talking about. He, I think he had a ministry of peace, a ministry of bringing people together, a ministry of challenging people. It seems like wherever he went, he encouraged believers, and, and it really helped the church. And he also was used to bring leaders together in, a contentious, in contentious situations. I want to read to you Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. And then I'll, uh, I'll just explain the context after that. When he, as in Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul in his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And now in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So... Um, Saul, otherwise later known as Paul, uh, Saul, before he became a believer, he fiercely persecuted the Christians. And the disciples, when they heard that Saul became Paul and now wanted to join the disciples, they were skeptical. They were thinking, is this guy really genuine? Or is he just saying that he wants to join us to find out where we're at and just figure out a way to persecute us and kill us? And it was Barnabas who had the gift of encouragement, who took the time to listen Saul, otherwise known as Paul. And, and after hearing Paul's story, Barnabas then went to the disciples and he was able to bring them together, I think, through his gift of encouragement. And I kind of wonder, what would the early church look like if Barnabas wasn't around, if Barnabas wasn't there to bring Paul together with the disciples? And not only that, I wonder what our church today would look like because Paul wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. Uh, if it wasn't for Barnabas and him using his gift of encouragement uh, and exhortation, where would we be as a church right now? Anyways, Barnabas was a peacemaker. He brought believers together. He did things to strengthen the church. And there are benefits for those who use their gift of encouraging. Uh, they can challenge people to change for the better. They can figure out ways to rally people and get them working together. And, man, who doesn't like to be encouraged? Encourage, encouragement is just a plain old good good, healthy thing in, in a church. And I see that there are many people in our uh, congregation who have the gift of uh, encouragement. Next is giving. And let me just say what I think giving, I don't, what, what giving is not. I, I don't think giving is tithing. I think tithing is a different thing than giving because tithing, regardless of whether you feel you're gifted or not, 
tithing, if you call yourself a believer, is required by every believer. Uh, we are called to tithe regardless of whether we think we have the gift of giving or not. It's interesting, in, in Malachi 3.10, where the Lord is talking to the Israelites about tithing, he doesn't say, give me the tithe. He says, bring me the tithe. In other words, we're bringing God something that already belongs to him, regardless of how we feel. Uh, we are called to, to tithe to the Lord and, and not give, but bring him the tithe that already belongs to him. And uh, there, just the reason I say that is because I think some people might look at this passage and say, oh, I'm not gifted in giving, therefore I'm not going to tithe to my church. Well, it's not the same thing. You're, you're required to tithe as a believer Giving might be above and beyond the tithe. And just one more comment on tithing. For those of us who are not tithing, for those of us who are not tithing, you need to know that you're robbing God. Malachi 3 talks about that. You're robbing God. You're stealing from God. And in the process, you're actually ripping yourself off too because there are blessings for those who tithe. But let me come back to giving. Uh, what is giving? Uh, aside from a tithe, it could just mean giving generously above and beyond the tithe. It could involve contributing to the needs of others. It could involve spontaneous private acts of benevolence, perhaps giving to the needy. Um, again, giving generously, with simplicity, without grudging. Uh, we're, giving without, we're giving free of mixed motives, without regret. And of course, there's lots of benefits to the church when people are using their gift of giving. People are cared for. People feel loved and appreciated. Our generosity towards each other can have, be a positive witness for Christ in our community. And, of course, more ministry can be done. And I do see people at our church who have the gift of giving or what some might call the gift of generosity. Two more gifts. The next one being leading. Now, leading can take on many, many different forms. But I think, well, uh, well for some... Um, the way a leadership could look like for some, it could be someone with vision. Someone who says, we need to go from point A to point B. Here's where we're at and here's where we need to go. And that could be one indication that you have some form of leadership gifting. Uh, I think a leader, is, well, let me, let me say this. Someone with the gift of serving, the kind of question they might ask is, how can I help or how can I serve? Where someone with the gift of leadership might say, hey, I think you're gifted in this area. Can I give you a job to do? Can I give you a ministry to, to look after? I think a leader, um, I think someone who's gifted with leadership cares more about the success of the team rather than being liked. They, they care more about the success of the team rather than being liked. I think someone with a leadership gift is is probably going to be able, more than the average person, they're able to make difficult decisions. I think a leader is often looking at the bigger picture, staying focused on the bigger picture. And I think you need good leaders in all sorts of areas of ministry, um, such as organizing, managing, overseeing, and so on. And of course, there's tons of benefits to the church when you have people using their gift of leadership. It benefits, uh, there's a lot of benefits, but uh, the reality is, is that people and organizations and churches, they need direction, they need good leadership. I think it was John Maxwell who said, uh, he's a leadership guru, he said that uh, uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is crucial. Now, he might be a little bit biased because he might have the gift of leadership, but good leadership is needed to move in a healthy direction. And I do see many people in our church who are gifted in this way. 
The last gift that Paul talks about in this particular passage is the gift of mercy. And this kind of person might be the kind of person who we might consider to be very compassionate. They're very empathetic. They're caring individuals. Uh, This kind of person, perhaps they are someone who gets joy and fulfillment from ministering to the sick and needy. Uh, They are caring people who might give their time to others. They might be the kind of person who's just willing to give a listening ear to someone who's just going through a difficult time. They, they might try to figure out ways to ease someone's suffering. And the benefits to the church, of course, when people are using their gift of mercy is that people are cared for. And that our care, our love, and the mercy and the grace we show towards each other, I think, acts as a wonderful witness to our community that we care about each other. And I do think there's a lot of people in our church who are gifted in this way, with the gift of mercy. I think, Harold Weeb, if you're watching, I think you might have the gift of mercy I know when, when Harold was on the board, uh, oftentimes he, which I think is great, he, 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 uh, he seemed to care most about uh, how individuals were, were doing in the church if they were suffering. Uh, I think Leah Siemens, uh, I think, has this uh, gift. I think Kathy Voss has this gift. Last week when I had vertigo, she brought me some chicken noodle soup, and I'm sure she does that for others, and it was great. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> uh, I think Steve Croker has this gift. Uh, you know, the other day, and I, there's a lot of reasons why I think that. I know him quite well, and, uh, you know, just recently, I think he made some baskets for people that were struggling. Uh, good on you, Steve, for doing that, and Carla. And I think my wife has this gift as well, and I could go on and on. There are others whom I think have this gift as well. So let me just say this. Um, this list that we have here, these seven lists of gifts, they're not exhausted because we know Paul talked about other gifts, uh, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that's not even all the passages that talk about spiritual gifts. Um, they're not exhaustive. I think God's wired us in all sorts of unique ways to serve the body of Christ, even in ways that we don't even find in these lists. Um, but my challenge to you is to think through and, and pray and try to discover how you are gifted, how you're wired. Uh, and, and, as you, and, and with God's help, as you discover where you're gifted, ask God to show you how you can use the gift to build up the body, uh, not just Grace Church, but his church throughout the world, and use your gift to benefit him and for his glory and his purposes. I'm going to pray in just a second here, but I just want to just let you know what's going to be happening for the next few weeks as I'm going to be on way on vacation, we have some guest speakers that are coming in. Uh, the first uh, person that we have coming in is Kevin Stone. He's, our, he's the president of the FEBC, uh, for those of you who may not be aware of that, and looking forward to having him come in. And the week after that, I have a colleague from Bible College, actually, way back from Bible College, and actually a colleague from the last denomination I was involved in. He was a youth pastor and still is a youth pastor. His name's Dan Martin, and he'll be coming digitally and speaking to us. And then I've also been interacting with a pastoral coach for so many months, and his name is Chad Clemens, and he'll be coming in digitally to, um, to, to share with us, as will uh, Kevin Stone next week digitally, just because of the situation with COVID that we find ourselves in. So anyways, let me, uh, let me pray and invite the worship team to come back. God, you are, you are so good, and you are so generous to us. And in fact, you were so generous to us that you were willing through your Holy Spirit to give us gifts, to give us spiritual gifts, to give us practical gifts to, uh, to help each other. And I thank you, Lord, that you could have done everything yourself. 
you really could have, but for some strange reason, you decided to partner with us and, and uh, give us gifts so that we could partner with you and contribute to building up the body of Christ. And so again, we pray that you would help us discover our gifts. And as we discover our gifts, we pray that we'd be willing to use them and teach us, Lord, and help us find practical ways that we can use them for your glory and your purposes.